0: This podcast contains sexually explicit material and adult content. Mature audiences only. Listening discretion is advised. Hey everybody and welcome to Pleasure Play Pen's Sex, Love, and Relationship Podcast. I'm here today with Sissy Baby Shannon and we're going to learn all about Miss um, Shannon today. So uh, Miss Shannon, Miss Baby Shannon, yes. why don't you introduce yourself?
1: Well, hello everyone, I'm Sissy Baby Shannon, and I'm excited to be here and explain a little bit about the world that I live in.
0: So if everybody noticed, we said Sissy Baby Shannon, so it's not just Baby Shannon. Now you'd think if you hear Baby Shannon, that means like an adult baby, maybe even a diaper lover, and then Sissy adds another component to it. So uh, Sissy Baby Shannon, why don't you explain to us, why do you refer yourself as Sissy Baby Shannon?
1: Well, I think there's a component with me that uh, enjoys the feminization side of it, enjoys the diaper side of it, and that the submission of the sissy goes with it, and it just sort of completes the package for me. And although that a lot of those that are into the fetishes separate the two or have no interest in one or the other, there are a group of us that actually enjoy the combination of the feminization, the the baby girl, the cute dresses, the outfits, uh, and totally transforming ourselves into that mindset.
0: I do agree. Like, if you look up um, sissy baby, you'll get men dressed as baby girls. And sometimes not even, like, when you think of baby girl, you're thinking as, like, a child baby girl. But in reality, it's like a, just a female, but not how do I explain this, like super feminine, super girly, super floofy, very mm-hmm. childish, but not necessarily yeah. baby baby, uh, exactly. As what, what you would think. So dresses, big fluffy dresses a lot of times, if anybody wants to Google that, Google sissy baby, you'll probably come up with pictures of exactly what I'm doing, saying, and sissy baby cartoon, you'll probably get a whole bunch of things like that too.
1: Yes, that is the a lot of us are into the really, really over the top femme type dressing, uh, lots of lace, uh, lots of puffiness, uh, lots of taffeta, all kinds of things like that that help us feel ultra feminine, or as one of my friends likes to say, uber-feminine. uber feminine. Uber <laughs> feminine? <laughs>
0: so how long have you been a sissy baby?
1: You know, I think that um, growing up in a household of girls, I always was appreciative of the fashion and dresses and always had an attraction. Uh, you know, trying to figure out why it started, I can only think growing up in a household of girls. I just uh, It was pretty. Uh, they got to have all these cute outfits, and I just was always looking, wishing I could wear that, try that on. And of course, being a young boy, that's what I did. And, and through puberty, I would You know, try on panties and bras and skirts and blouses and it just felt right. It made me very happy. It made me feel girly. And that's a place that I would go to in my head that I clearly was having a good time. I was clearly enjoying it. It fulfilled a need. Um, and it just sort of grew from there. Uh, and then the baby side did too as well. And then I kind of combined the two and then realized that, gosh, that's, you know, with my submissive natures, I learned more about myself that that's where it all led to
0: well let me let me backtrack a little bit so you if anybody who's ever listened to the podcast knows that I love to find out where everything started from that's kind of like my my thing when did it first start when did you realize that you liked wearing women's clothes now you said you had sisters and all but what do you remember the exact point at which you were like this is what I want to wear
1: Um, I can even remember looking at Sears Robux catalog and seeing pictures of bras and panties and being excited about it when I was very young. Yeah, I think think that um, there were some panties that were put into my drawer and I remember opening up seeing them and I just sort of felt this sort of attraction and touched them and felt them and thought, wow, I want to put these on. And I did and it was sort of an electric moment that I thought, this feels wonderful. This is exciting. This is what I like. And want to do more of this and so it grew from that moment on and I think I was 12 at the time and I just I had already enjoyed the diaper thing and and knew that that was something I liked but the panties came a little bit later after that and then I sort of focused on that and then later came back to the diapers.
0: So when did the diapers start then?
1: Well um, I was a bedwetter And my mother obviously did not want to wash sheets and things like that. So she was very supportive and very concerned and said, you know, I just need to put you in diapers so we can figure out a way to cure this problem. And it was probably the only real attention that I really received from my mother. And I just assumed from, you know, going through therapy sessions that that's probably where the imprint came from. And then there was a little bit of just, you know, uh, Divorced family, having to grow up real quick, uh, the disconnect, the, the feelings you have when you feel like, you know, you've been abandoned and childhood trauma of that without, back then, no counseling, no therapy, nothing. And so I think that it sort of got a jump start, if you will, in that scenario. And that was the imprinting. That was the jump starting. And then from there, it just develops and it was sort of an incremental learning process of, Ooh, I like that. That's fun. I want to try this. What can I do here? Et cetera.
0: Do you, are you comfortable stating what that uh, trauma was?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think that it wasn't anything like child abuse or anything. It was just the abandonment. I was really uh, into my father as far as a father figure, and he just basically went off to another life with another woman, and we were abandoned in that sense. Not Not on the street or anything, but just He didn't want to do this. And so I think that was a real moment of being felt uh, that I I wasn't likable. I wasn't lovable. I wasn't wanted. And I wanted to be something or someone else you know, that might be lovable or might be likable or or attractive or whatever. In whatever sort of childlike way you have that uh, belief and that need and that desire, because I think all kids need that. And I just felt like I wasn't getting it. And part of this supplanted that. From what I can gather and what I can learn from therapy and what I can learn from, you know, research and things like that, that you look for things to, to help you cope. You look for things to help you feel better. You look for things that will fill a void, and I was doing all of that, and, um, and it continued on in life when I, you know, didn't really feel like I wanted to be the alpha with all the responsibility. I would regress back into my sissy state, my submissive state, and that would give me great relief and an escape.
0: Now, is it possible that you either thought about this or maybe subconsciously or unconsciously um thought about being a baby, not just because, well, maybe in twofold. One, adults seem to love babies. Everybody loves babies. And so you now had this thing where you didn't feel loved and everybody loves babies, so if you were kind of put yourself in that baby sense. That you would automatically be loved by everybody. Is that that's my one option or thought? And the other thought was because you were doted on by your mother because of the bedwetting, and she felt bad, and she put you in diapers. It made you feel so much more like important and loved. You know, I
1: think, yes, I think definitely the latter, and that's exactly what the therapist wrote in on. As as I've gone on the journey of, you know, why do you like these things? Why is this such a part of you? Uh, they said you know that that is a very important moment in time where you felt you know acceptance love and even though you had a problem she was supportive she was helping you she was paying attention she was you've got to walk the path with you on the journey of figuring out how to how to be a big boy you know how not to do uh, bedwetting because that was not supposed to happen and you know everybody's taught societal norms and things so it, it i think that's exactly what it was and that's exactly what had this imprint which I hear a lot of the educated folks in this world talk about fetishes as an imprint, and once it imprints, it's there, and it's a part of you, and it's a need, it's a desire, and then it's just a matter of how you can manage it. Some can, and some can say, you know, I'm not going to do that, and, live happily, and some can't.
0: No, I 100% agree with that. Some people go one way, some people go another way in, in all shapes of uh, things that happen. Happen in our, in our lives, things that happen to us and, you know, you took it the way you felt that helped you cope with the world around you. Yes. Now by seeing therapists, have you tried to, now, cause a lot of therapists don't understand fetishes, have they tried to or have you tried to change the way you're thinking where you don't have these fetishes anymore?
1: Well, I went through a number of years to where I tried to suppress it and as many of us that are in these kinds of fetishes, whether it's, you know, the sissy or cross dressing or adult baby or even just simple ones, um, that are more for fetishes, mainstream, we we try to get rid of it and we purge and we get rid of everything mm-hmm. because, you know, we're not gonna let this happen anymore. It's wrong and and they go through these cycles. But I went through that and then I went through a very vanilla relationship where uh, that wasn't wasn't acceptable. It wasn't going to be allowed. And so you put these things behind you. And you know, I dabbled when I would travel and I would have an opportunity to see a professional dom, and you know they were very cool with it. And then I could indulge myself. And then I put that little desire up on a shelf in a closet and not touch it again for even a year, two or three at a time. And then finally, when my relationship ended and I was able to fully indulge to the level that I've always wanted to. I started going to therapy to to understand it because, you know, it, it bothered me that I couldn't be a quote unquote normal alpha male. You know, why, why is it there? And I had so much guilt and shame uh, when I engage in these activities, as many of us do, because again, it's not something that's considered by society to be normal. And so I had to deal with that. And then in the therapy, I got a lot of support because I looked up a therapist that had understanding of alternative lifestyles and Mm -hmm. kinks and LBGQ and all that. And so she was like, you know, it's okay to want to take take off the alpha clothes and not have to be the responsible one at work in charge of people and, you know, having to make the hiring and the firing decisions, which just personally kills me. Um, because, you know, you just devastate someone, whether they deserve it or not. Firing is probably one of the harshest things you can do to an individual. And those things would kind of make it difficult for me, and I I would know that I would escape into my little dresses and my outfits and my diapers, and it would give me relief, and it would let me leave that alpha world where, you know, sometimes I, I, I wasn't truly that much of an alpha. And I think that the therapist gave me a lot of validation, a lot of permission, a lot of understanding that, you know, you're not hurting anyone. It's not illegal. And as long as it doesn't affect, you know, like you're not going to work or you can't make a living or you're, you know, you're doing something illegal, then have fun with it. Enjoy okay. it. Be the sissy be the baby. Embrace it and just have fun with it. And, you know, try to get that little, her phrase was the drill sergeant that sits on your shoulder and tells you everything that's wrong about you. You know your worst critic. Get rid of the drill sergeant and just say, "Hey, I feel good as Baby Shannon. I feel good in my submissive, sissy side, and I I love wearing this outfit." And you know, just wrap your arms around it. Just say, "Wow, it's okay." Now, I wouldn't go to the mall or anything like that, but mm-hmm. it's it's fun, and, and it was nice to sit with a professionally educated therapist who said, "Hey, you're not doing anything wrong. Embrace it. Don't feel like a Martian. It's okay." Have fun, enjoy yourself. Don't get more outfits and shop till you drop, and uh, get makeup or whatever you want to do, and just let Shannon be Shannon. It's okay, and you know it's kind of like, well, that's kind of nice to have someone say that, and you don't feel so much like a pervert or a bad person or you know an alien because many of us don't think there's that many out there that do it, and you find out there's a world of us out there. Mm. It's a huge market. If you get on and Google it and you see all these websites, wow, it's amazing.
0: how long um, were you married for?
1: 25 years.
0: So you had, and if you don't mind me asking, how old are you?
1: I'm sorry, what? I missed that.
0: How old are you?
1: Oh, right now I'm 63.
0: So literally a third of your life, a little less than that, but. more than that um you had to suppress these feelings just from one person just you know from your life really because that person is supposed to be your life and i think um a lot of people who have these fetishes can completely understand where you're coming from and that purge i've heard a million times and i always tell guys stop purging like you're just (laughs) wasting money you're just, okay. you're re-spending yeah. all that money again. You're going to go buy it. And it's not just me trying to get you to call back. It's me trying to let you realize that it really is okay. And I understand having to keep it secret, although I do personally suggest that you should tell your significant other. However, as we might get into here in a minute, it did not go very well for uh, Sissy Baby Shannon. Um, and it's not expected to, to be honest. Most people do not have a good outcome when telling a significant other but if you tell them right off the bat then you find a person who fits your fetish now 25 years ago i can completely understand you know you're you're supposed to be getting married you're supposed to be doing this you're you're supposed to supposed to supposed to and that's what everybody's telling you you're supposed to do this and so you feel like you're supposed to do this so instead of looking for someone who is okay and comfortable with your fetishes I'm sure nowadays it is probably actually easier um, you're 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 forced to get into a relationship with a person you love, but that doesn't match you personally
1: absolutely true and i I would say having lived it uh it is best right up front. you should know because the the suppression of it the hiding of it the guilt of it, the shame of it is just overwhelming, and it led to other issues and problems that I dealt with um, because you're trying to suppress something that is there. It's real. It's not fake. It's important to you. And yes, it may end a relationship because most women that are in a relationship, they want a man that acts like a man. I I get that. Fortunately, today, we've made leaps and bounds to where people are, one, they're exposed to it. I mean, people can see it, learn about it in the quote-unquote older days, it, it wasn't that way. I mean, there's been so many advancements in the LG, LGBTQ community that that's been very helpful. Although, ironically, I went to a alternative uh, BDSM-type party and somebody asked me what I was into and I said, and they, they kind of sneered at me. And I thought, wow, there's even bias in the BDSM community, which oh, is yeah. a little bit of a surprise. But it's there. So the good news is for those that are – listening and wanting to know what to do i think the prevalent wisdom just like you said you have to be upfront today or you're going to get in a relationship you're going to be part part of that relationship will be in prison and it'll yeah. be miserable and then you'll do things to cope whether it's sneak on the side when you're away from home or whether it's uh, drinking or eating or whatever coping mechanism you use if you don't have the ability to be that person that Uh, makes you happy and allows you to escape from whatever it is that's a burden to you. Uh, I described it to one friend of mine that we were talking about our sissy side. And I said, you know, sometimes it's just like a great massage. Sometimes it's like the great, uh, transformation that I come home with baggage from work and anger and fear of this or being upset I had to fire that. And then you can dress up, become Shannon, and it all goes away. It's like a magic wand. Uh, or something. It's it's very much a great place to escape to, to get to your happy place, whatever that is. And uh, We joked about how some people like to play sports or golf is their thing or fishing or gardening or woodworking. For us, it's dressing up. For us, it's feeling pretty. For us, it's putting on diapers and
0: mm-hmm. those
1: kinds of things. So we get there. But yes, I think fundamentally, watch out. Don't get into a relationship and expect them to come around. And then if you do have the talk, uh, which a good thing to do. Go easy at first. Don't put a lot of detail. Get the basic idea out there and see how they react to it. And don't push. Don't push. Give them time to understand it. Uh, and and then try your best to normalize it in the sense of how it plays to you, not the rest of the world. And then I think a lot of spouses' fear initially is, oh my God, what if everybody finds out? And reinforce that this is a private thing, That you're not going to prance around the neighborhood or be in a stroller and be shown off to people or things like that, that it's something behind closed doors. And that would possibly reassure them. And then let them know you're a man and still very much in love with him and very much want this relationship to work. And give those reassurances. And that may help all of the process go along. And then the last piece of advice that, from what I've heard of the people I've dealt with and learned from and read about is it's it's to the extent you can, not an everyday thing, but it's not going to intrude on your normal relationship, but every so often, if that's something you can live with.
0: Well, the other thing is, if, if you think about it this way, is imagine from the other person's perspective. If you tell them right off the bat, and they're not interested, they move on. Even if you tell them, let's say you're into it, you're year five, something like that, you haven't done anything with anybody else. Because as as to see baby Shannon said, she felt the need, you know, to to be able to express herself. And the way she did that was to go to other mistresses. How many significant others are not going to view that as cheating? Because in my mind, if my husband said to me, you know, hey, I went to a mistress and had X, Y, and Z done, I'd be like, you just blatantly cheated on me. And now I'm not just, now I'm going to view their fetish as something in the negative sense, as opposed to being understanding. Now me, I'm a lot more understanding because I hear all these guys and I've had the conversation with my husband of, if you ever hear something on you know, uh, my calls that you want to explore, whether I'm into it or not, let me know. I will flat out tell you that it's, that I'm not into it. And if it becomes a point where it's like Sissy Baby Shannon, where it really is a part of who she is and not just like just a, a little fetish that you have to have every so often, you know, it's not just a once a year thing. This is her life. This is what she wants to be, you know, um, then I would probably say, okay, if it's something that's that hardcore, then we might have to find you another way outlet for that, that I'm not a part of because I'm not comfortable with it. Um, But that's just me. And that's something you could always broach with someone and say, it's not me cheating. Um, Especially, even if it's sexually, where your fetish is incredibly weird sexually or incredibly unusual to the person you're dating or married to, find that alternative because there are escorts there are people yes yes you are physically having sex with them but the cheating part isn't it's not to me the same thing because you're both agreeing upon it it's not being secretive and it's not something that you could both do together that they're cheating on you with if that makes any sense
1: oh no i've actually run across uh, another uh, guy that was into it and we met at a, a, a diaper party and his spouse was supportive only to the extent she knew where he was and what he was doing, but she wanted nothing to do with it.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: it was kind of – it was the way they worked it out. So it's exactly like you said. They talked about it. She didn't want to, but as long as she knew who, what, when, and where, then she said, fine, go for it. So that worked mm-hmm. beautifully for them because you're right. If you do do the mistress thing, that is its form of cheating. There's no way around it. Same thing with phone sex. It's still a form okay. of cheating. Now, it's not with the person – And so if you have a significant other and you continue to do it, you've got to make that decision. I'm going to hide it and hope I don't get caught, which is what a lot of men do, or I'm going to say this is something I desperately need and it fulfills me when I do it. And that's a hard conversation. So I think the vast majority of those of us that do the phone sex calls, we don't ever tell a spouse, ever, because it's something we can do on the phone. It feels anonymous. We don't think it's cheating, but it is emotional cheating, Mm
0: -hmm. and it's it's
1: real. So – but. It's it's also a choice you make, you know, keep everybody happy. Nobody needs to know, and off we go, but there is risk with it.
0: Now, how did your wife find out?
1: A um, couple of things. I Unfortunately, I went to a um, Domination studio, and it ended up appearing on a credit card when I didn't think the credit card was just a deposit and I was going to pay in cash, which I did. Then they ran the card. It's like, uh uh-oh. So it popped up. She called said, hey, I'm calling about my charge, blah, blah, blah. The studio was fairly vague about it, but once she found that, she started delving into things and then put a remote camera in my office and caught me on a phone call and heard the whole thing, and then it was out.
0: So that was probably not uh, comfortable at all.
1: It's it's hard to watch and listen to the video and say, can you explain? And you say, well, that's me. That's what I am. That's what I love. That's something that's important to me. And they're furious and they betrayal. And I get it. I understand. It's horrible in their eyes. They, the person they thought there was their you know knight in shining armor is uh, a little girl in the diaper. And that's a shattering situation. There's no easy way out of it. And then you're outed to everybody, and it's ugly, which might be another reason why, for those of you that are listening, you might want to talk to the spouse before Mm -hmm. you're caught. And then you can control it, and then you can do damage control if that's the case, if you've never shared this with them. Again, it's a choice you have to make. It's a hard conversation if you're into a relationship a number of years, like, why haven't you told me? That's going to be the big anger. Of course you don't because you're afraid of rejection, and you don't want to
0: lose them. And unfortunately, in this instance, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, baby Shannon's was incredibly negative. And we don't have to speak with it about it if you don't want to, it's up to you.
1: You know, it's just something that people need to be aware of that they have these fears and uh, they understand it's not going away. Then they've got to make the decision and limit it and limit the exposure. And then if you don't and you are caught and today's electronics are crazy good, uh, then you're going to have this potential risk. And then if you have a, that's vindicative and angry and hurt and they want to out you, then you lose friendships, you know, business relationships. You may even have to move out of town if that's something that's shameful to you. Um, Or then you have to just step up and own it and accept it. And that's another hard thing to do. So there's severe consequences if people aren't careful.
0: Agree. And it depends on where you are. You know, if you live in Chicago, it's a lot easier to just up and accept it. If you live in in a tiny town where they you know it's like three thousand people you know it's going to be really hard to be accepted by people there's going to some be people who don't care but there's going to be a lot of people who don't you know who do care yeah. and they don't want you around their kids or this because they think you're a sicko and I've had that problem with phone sex I um we moved into a home in a t- tiny little town and we were this there were we you know, acres and acres in between houses, but we lived on a hill next to someone else. And we had 10 acres on our side and they had 10 acres on their side, but there was literally maybe a half an acre between our two houses. And we shared the same driveway. Well, they found out that we, I'm open about it, I don't care, this is my business, this is how I bought my house, you know, I do phone sex. Well, they found out I did phone sex and immediately it was we were the devil. They were super uber Christian, good Christian folk, as I call them. And they thought we were the devil and just started to make our lives miserable for three years to the point where we moved. And it, it was always came back to, you know, you left the trash, the trash in the wrong spot. Well, you're a phone sex operator and blah, blah, blah. What the fuck did that have to do with anything? Like what, how does, what? Like I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not, and nothing I'm doing is illegal. Like, what the fuck? So, yes, it can totally hit you in the back end. And then I have – I live in a tiny town right now, and I'm very careful on who I say it to. And the people who do know, at least to me, they're always asking me questions. They don't care. And um I, I have no idea if other people know and have found out and don't like me for it. I don't really care personally because it's just like whatever. But mine isn't also out in – you know, isn't, uh, well, like, I don't know if it's as bad or whatever you want to call it to equal proportion, but it's, it has a stigma to it. So, you know, wearing diapers is going to have a stigma to it. And I understand the not being a real man thing. And I personally, as, um, as a woman who likes a dominant man, and I'm, I'm not saying dominant with whips and chains, but I like my husband to take control of sex. Um, even though I'm very dominant in my, in normal, life um like i take control of the situation and a lot of times i'll step in front of my husband who's way bigger than i am like he's you know a foot taller and i will be the one who jumps into a situation because that's just my my way i am i'm one of those people who also likes to be more like i like yeah, him definitely. to take control in my life in the per in the bedroom um and it just has to do with like me just like i want him to initiate sex more than i I want him to push me against the wall. I want him to show me he's a real man I and mean, he's a big guy. Um, and I just love that. If he told me he liked to wear panties, um, it would be very hard. It would take me a, a long time to get back into that role of letting him be dominant towards me again. And like, it'd be very hard for me to see him that same way. So I completely understand it. And I can only imagine what he would feel um. To I, I, even though him and I have had this conversation, I think it would be very hard for him to tell me, knowing that that's exactly how I would feel. Even though I'd be fine with him and I'd still love him and I'd still stay married to him if he wore diapers or wanted to wear panties or whatever, it would still sexually I'd have a very hard time moving past that.
1: It is difficult, and, and that's the perception uh, that people have that, They have to face, and it it can be damaging to a relationship, but it can be also fulfilling. It really depends on your personality, but you've got specific things that are important to you, and you would have to learn to deal with it if you wanted to stay together like you said you did. And that's, I think, the big fear that all of the folks that have the fetishes worry about their spouse because they don't want to bring it up, and they don't want to fear altering that dynamic or damaging that dynamic.
0: And I think there has to be a give and take you know, you just because the woman wants you to be dominant doesn't mean that the man wants to be dominant. He's actually not as dominant as I would probably like him to be. I'm more like pushy in the bedroom and everything like that. And I get him to, you know, like I'll physically say to him, hey, do this to me, you know, like I want you to because he doesn't he does not have that, you know, uh direction when he thinks of sex. It's just you know, it is what it is. It's not one or the other. And I'm like, okay, you know, I, hey, honey, I'll text him. Like, honey, when you get home today, I want you to push me up against the wall and fuck me really hard. You know, that type of thing. And then he understands that. But that's not his thought process. And I know that. that and so I'm not, I'm not offended by it at all that he doesn't have that thought process. That's where my give and take is. I know that I have to um, direct him is what i what i like and there's no problem with that it's just all about give and take so as baby shannon knows that um she can't push her lifestyle on her on her wife and that if she's going to do it it has to be maybe in moderation because her wife isn't comfortable with it in five years or a year or 10 years whatever it is it can be moved more and more and it's that give and take and that's the problem is baby shannon's wife didn't realize that she also needed to give and take. But I do understand her position because it's 25 years in and it feels like a betrayal. So I get that. But
1: you zeroed in on the communication being such a critical part of everything is you just have to, if you're going to form a life with someone uh, and then you have to accept the fact that there could be a negative response, but then you haven't invested 5, 10, 15, 20, whatever years it might be by being up front and you'll be happier in the long run. And then I think Knowing that communication is the key, and then in today's day and age, those that are coming up into the world of being a little or ABDL or sissy or whatever, you're right. There are forums, and there are places on the internet, and there are meetings, and there are uh, groups that get together that you can go learn and meet people that say, I'm okay with this. I get it. It's fun. Let's do it. And so the doors are much more plentiful now to walk through than they were 25, 30 years ago.
0: Plus, it's almost, uh, it's almost like AA in regards to that you have a support group. There's so many people who can help support you and walk you through telling a significant other or just living with it in yes. your own life and everything like that. And I
1: would think that anybody struggling with this, again, today's day, day and age is different. Is go see a therapist that announces in their advertising, and you can get on the Internet and look it up. Uh, a lot of them in the Psychology Today website will say, you know, kink friendly or uh, alternative lifestyles knowledgeable. And okay, great. That's a person that's saying, I will talk to people about these things, and then go we'll try them out and find out if they're understanding. Or you can Google the ones that advertise that this is their expertise. They teach this, they understand it, they help people through this process, and they're out there and they're plentiful. And now with the online stuff and the Zoom stuff, you don't have to be in the same city. You can just Get on Zoom and do it, sure. and that can be a great outlet.
0: Well, now that we've talked all the serious side of it, let's go to the fun side. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so what does baby Shannon's typical day look like when you want to be baby Shannon?
1: You know, I think the dressing up, um, enjoying the outfits, um, relaxing. Uh, sometimes it does end in phone sex. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, I live a very normal day-to-day life, very active, um, you know, that no one would know. And, you uh, a typical 40-hour-plus work week that most people have, and you have to go in your attire that matches your gender. And then when you get home, you can relax and, you know, make a nice dinner but enjoy having on a pretty pink dress or having on your cute little diapers and ruffle-butt panties or whatever it is that makes you happy. And you can enjoy it that way, or you can go to a munch, or you can go to a party that they have and – you can go to one of the uh A B D L groups or people that meet uh for various kinks and fetishes. Sometimes there's open play parties. Those are all activities in most every major city. If you just do the research it's out there. And then you can go and dress and be what you want to be and nobody really cares.
0: Do you wear panties to work ever?
1: Yes, every day.
0: Okay. So do you have mail underwear anymore at all now that you're single?
1: Yes, I do. Um still there are times, it's certain times that I do, it, or times that I may be at a gym or something like that, and I want to be careful. And so, yeah, I, I do, but uh, it, it's now the opportunities to just indulge, and I do, and then I shop much, much more than I ever used to. Um, I dress much, much more, and sometimes I'll have, you know, different type outfits on underneath, like a, a little mini slip or even a, a camisole or a garter belt and stockings and things like that that will always remind me of, of being Shannon and feeling good about being Shannon.
0: Now, you wear diapers. Do you go potty in your diapers? You know, it's never been my thing
1: to do. Um, and it's it's weird because when I've met different uh, ABDLs, you find out everybody's different in what they like and don't like, what they do and don't do. There's the common theme, of course, but it's differences. And there's some that that's a big part of who they are. And then there's some that, like me, that uh, don't really need to do that. Um, and I was at one uh, the other day where, you know, a lot of the littles were, Coloring and, and, you know, wanting to have baby food. And they were asking me if that's what I wanted. And that's not really the way I, I play. It's not my thing. I don't actually act infantile as much as girly and sissy. And so I don't do those kinds of activities. But a lot of them do. And that's mm-hmm. very fulfilling to not have the day to day pressures and just try something that's fun.
0: Well, that's fun. I love that. That, uh, you know, you just love enjoying yourself. Um, yeah. so do you just kind of, when you're at home, you're just kind of lounging around in your diaper and your pretty dress or do you, you just sit on the couch or what's your what kind of thing?
1: You know, just regular activities. You might read a book, you might cook dinner, you might watch TV, you might call friends up that you know and that are in the lifestyle. Uh, sometimes I'm doing research. Sometimes I'm having a Zoom call with one of the ones I've met online that, You know, we can talk about our mutual interests or what we've bought lately or what we've worn lately or what we've done lately. And you can have a human connection with people that – which I I would recommend to any ADLs out there or assistants out there, try to find somebody to talk to because you're not alone. There's many people just like you with the same fears, the same anxiety, and the same desires that would just love to have a friend that says, yeah, me too. I like that. That's fun really on you to make that effort because you can find places you can find websites and then once you do maybe the friendship is just online maybe it becomes in person and then you you feel much better about the things that cause you the anxiety and angst because you think you're the only one which you're not
0: i find that um people who have fetishes what cracks me up is that they're the most researched people I've ever met. They know everything there is to know about especially in this day and age about their fetish because it, it just it, it amazes me how much I can learn from from someone who has a specific fetish, you know that's started really deep Is they're just really yeah. in the know. It it just it cracks me up every time.
1: Well, you're so lovely and you feel like such a Alien or Martian or whatever the adjective that describes that feeling of loneliness of being alone and no one understands. So you start researching and you go, oh, here's a therapist. Oh, here's a professional mommy. Oh, here's a group for sissies. Oh, here's a store you can go buy diapers at that are specifically for adult babies. Oh, here, like there's one in Las Vegas that's very popular and people go there and it's it's fabulous to be able to. Oh, this is what I like. This is what I'm looking for and they can help you get the right size. They can help you. Find whatever it is you want to find. And that's particularly for those that have literally never uttered a word to a human being about their kink, a big deal. I also mm-hmm. think that's why the phone sex works. You can have someone that hears you, accepts you, helps reinforce it, and you've communicated with a human as opposed to doing this all by yourself. Mm-hmm. Or same, same thing when you actually go out to a, a group that, you know, this is their interest and you finally realize, hey, they may not all be exactly like me, but they all have the basic same interest. And that can be a wonderfully freeing feeling to go, oh, gosh, it's okay. Look, they're people. They're normal. You know, uh, They just like to do this.
0: Well, Sissy Baby Shannon, it was an absolute pleasure to you, speak too. with you today. Anything else you want to teach us or talk to us about today? No, just the encouragement to...
1: Go out there, learn more, try to meet people, uh, try to make connections. Uh, don't carry it all by yourself. It's too hard. There's too many resources today that you can go to and get help to where you're going to feel a lot better. And it's going to help you overall in life be happier, be freer, and enjoy whatever your specific fetish is a whole lot more. So I encourage it. I took a long time to do it. Now that I've done it, it's like this is fabulous. This is great. And I hope everyone can try to find that perfect moment where they say, I like me, I like what I do, I'm having a ball, and I'm going to keep doing it.
0: And I can uh, attest to that, that baby Shannon is way happier um, when she told me that she was getting, well, she when she first t- told me she was getting divorced, she was super stressed out. And then the second the divorce was finalized, she was just, you could tell, like there was just this air of relief um, in her voice that she was just like because it was so stressful the whole telling and we're finding out and then the divorce you know it was a nightmare <clears throat> so when she's able to be herself she's like so excited she can be herself and i can attest to that sounds right absolutely well thank you baby shannon Thank <clears throat> you. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and you too okay, bye bye